First of all, I am really, really grateful um, to be here this morning. I'm pretty thankful for it. Tim had kind of reached out to me a few weeks ago and um, asked if I could fill in, and I'm, uh, I was pretty excited when he gave me that opportunity. So, let's, um, let's start in some prayer. Dear God, I just pray that, uh, <clears throat> well first I just want to thank you for just gathering us this morning, and God, I pray that you can really prepare our hearts as we uh, dig into your word together, and Lord, if there's anything that you're really wanting to reveal to us, or um, wanting us to examine, I pray that we can, we can embrace that, and we can uh, take from your word today areas that we can grow closer to you, and apply to our lives, and God, I just, I just pray that it can help us um, be formed into the image of you, and um, we can continue on this beautiful journey um, that, that, that you've led us on. And it's, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, so yeah, I, I know, uh, I feel like there's a few familiar faces in here. Um, I grew up going to Central Christian Church. It's where I knew Christine and her father, who uh, was preacher there. Then I did the whole Flame and Spirit church camp for years. That's where I got to know a lot of Troy faces, I feel like. But um, Tim Champ and I, uh, I've been able to know him the past few years. And man, I feel really honored that uh, God's put me in a position to know him and to kind of watch him serve his kingdom because it's been pretty, pretty encouraging for me. So I know you guys are excited about having Tim. I know Tim and Rita they're pretty pumped to be here, so um, happy for you and Tim. So when, when Tim reached out to me, I said, okay, what, what do you want me to speak on? And he said, you got free range. So I guess the, the luxury of having free range whenever I speak or lead a study is that what, whatever God's currently like working on me with or trying to reveal to me, that's usually where the Holy Spirit leads me to, to talk about. So... That's what we're going to do today. Um, oh, and I definitely need to introduce my wife right here. This is Blair. Um, we have a son who she just took downstairs, Titus. So, But anyways, um, the title that I've kind of come up with for the message today is Truly Satisfied. Truly Satisfied. Um, we'll be in Mark chapter 7 um, for most of it here at the beginning. And then we'll also do some work in Romans. But yeah, we're going to start off in Mark chapter 7. Uh, verses 14 through 23. It says, <clears throat> Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. In all saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, Murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come 
from inside and make a man unclean. Um, so if, if any of us have spent many time in the Gospels and uh, we kind of study Jesus' teaching, I, I think like a, a common theme with the way Jesus teaches is His, his business his main theme is ushering in a new kingdom. Right? He, he is preparing the, the new kingdom in which His death on the cross is going to usher in. And so with doing that, there's a lot of teaching and almost redoing things from what everybody was kind of subject to for the past four or five hundred years. Um, and this is kind of what he's talking about here. This is when he declares um, there's no unclean. Okay, all foods are clean. This was, this was big for me, right? This is why we can eat bacon. Okay, enjoy some pork. But Jesus, Jesus said that all foods are clean. And this, this goes back to um, the book Leviticus, right? The long, kind of boring book that just lists off a ton of laws, right? And these laws were presented to us because when, when sin had entered the world, it, it kind of created a barrier in which we can have fellowship with a holy God. And so now Jesus is ushering in this new kingdom, introducing a new way to worship Him. And He says, he says hey, look, what defiles us, what makes a man is not what's going into him. He says what goes into our mouths passes through our stomach, right, and we expel it. The digestive system. Okay? He says what defiles a man, what makes a man, is what's already inside of him. And he says this thing is his heart. And then he goes on to mention some pretty heavy stuff that comes out of our hearts. Sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed. Okay, and so forth. And I think there's a, probably a lot of evidence for that. Um, I know for myself, maybe some of you can relate, is when it, when it comes to our thoughts, I feel like I don't have to put that much effort in producing a thought that's, that's maybe centered around pride or, or a, a lustful thought or a thought with greed. I, I feel like this usually comes pretty easy. And... Um, there's almost more effort that needs to go into producing righteous thoughts rather than evil thoughts. And this is, this is really what Jesus was saying, is that the heart of us, it's nasty. It's, it's filled with evilness. Um, I think for us to get a better grip on this, it's probably good to go back to Genesis 3. Um, most of us are probably familiar with Genesis 3, right? Um, this is probably, in my opinion, I think this is the most impactful chapter in all the Bible. Like, the whole dynamics of Scripture had to change after Genesis 3. So, Genesis 3, 6, most of us know it, right? God, God gives a command that says, hey, don't eat from the tree of knowledge, right? That's the only command He gives. And what happens? Okay, Genesis 3, 6 says, Eve takes the forbidden fruit, eats it, gives some to Adam. And then it was at that moment, sin, brokenness, nastiness entered the world. Right? And not only we as mankind are sinful, but all of God's creation is fractured. And it occurred in Genesis 3. Um, I've always kind of been amused when, when, when I listen to people's perspectives on Genesis 3. Right? I, I feel like some people are like, Man, if it wasn't for that woman, that darn woman, if she would have just listened, and if she would have never grabbed that fruit, 
then Adam wouldn't have ate it, right? And, and we would have still been living in a perfect world. Or the other perspective I hear is totally the opposite. Well, if, if Adam had been guarding his wife's heart better, right, then she maybe would have had a little dis- uh, discernment to know not to eat from that tree. But I, uh, I think it would really serve us better if we just realized that all of us, myself, right, all of mankind, we were participants in Genesis 3. Right? Adam and Eve were their descendants. They represent all of mankind. So what occurred in Genesis 3, we're responsible for that. That's the decision that we made. It's, it's not just an Adam and Eve story. It's the decision of all of mankind. Right? We decided to bring sin in, and because of it, now the world's fractured. I don't think it takes us a long time to realize all the nastiness and, and hurtful things that can go on in this world. But um, that kind of gives us a background to understand our hearts, right? Our hearts produce all these evil thoughts that Jesus mentions because of what occurred in Genesis 3. So, um, that's going to be kind of our segue into uh, kind of understanding truly satisfied. So, there's a, a guy named Matt Chandler. Um, maybe some of you have heard him. I had a chance, my wife and I had a chance to attend his church in Dallas, Texas when we were living there. And he wrote a book that's called Recovering Redemption. And, man, he, he just articulates really, really well. And he's kind of classified um, some areas that we run to as sinful people um, to satisfy our hearts. Now, what's wild about this is when God was creating us, right, when he was forming us and knitting us in our mother's womb, um, he had put a desire in our hearts to be satisfied. And there is a whole bunch of evidence of this going on. The desire that He put in our hearts is not a bad thing. However, what we tend to run to to have this desire met, right, or, or to feel content, this is, when it gets, this is when it gets a little wacky. So this guy, Matt Chandler, he's kind of classified these as wells, right? The wells that we draw from to fill the desire in our hearts that, that God had put there. Um, this first well is called just the well of self. So, when we're feeling really discontent, right, or just, just not competent with ourselves, um, when we're not getting our desire of our heart met, the first well that we tend to draw from is the well of self. Okay, and this can kind of be described, um, whatever it is that we do to create a better version of ourselves. Right, so we're discontent. There, there's a lot of things that aren't satisfying us. So maybe we, we try to create a wealthier version of ourselves, right? If, if we can just get to a place where we can make a little more money, right? Or, or maybe get a little raise in our job, we'll finally be at that place whew, where some worries will go away. We'll, we'll start to be a little more content. And this is, this is bankrupt, right? Like, this doesn't work. I, I've yet to see the magic financial number. Right, for the person that gets peace. Right? Um, there's, there's not a lot of joy in this. Okay, so, so creating a wealthier version of ourself, this doesn't work. Um, a, another thing we may do is maybe we just create a better version of ourself. So th- this could be, okay, we, we want to lose, lose a few pounds, right? Or, or we, we want to look, look better. So maybe for some men, Right, we, we finally want to get the, get the built that we've always wanted, or the built 
we had in high school, right? We kind of want to re-get that. Or for women, maybe if, if we can just lose 10 or 20 extra pounds, right? Then we can finally be at a place where we won't be as insecure, right? And, and it will lift a lot of burdens off of us. So we'll create a better version of ourselves, and, and this, will, this will finally satisfy us. And that doesn't work. It's like, you know, if, if the magic number was 30 pounds for us to lose, then if, if you've ever been so successful to lose it, there's always a little more you can lose, right? It's like, okay, this looks really good, but if I could just shed a few extra pounds. Okay, and it's just, it's, it's never fulfilling. Um, so, some evidence I feel like what, that we have to show that people run to this well of self is, man, just check out social media. Right? We, we have Facebook, um, Twitter. What else is out there? I'm missing one of them. Instagram, right? All, yeah, Instagram. All these things. This is evidence that, that, that we run to the well of self. I mean, Facebook. It is a profile that we create about ourselves to display to the whole world what's going on. Right? Or, or maybe we're so dissatisfied with how we really are, then now we have an outlet that we can kind of dress up any way that we want. We, we can display ourselves in the way that we want so that everybody else can check out. However, Facebook's not reality, right? A lot of times that, that Facebook profile, that, that's not reality. And it, it just serves as an outlet. And this, is, <clears throat> this just leaves us really unsatisfied. So we, we have the well of self that we tend to draw to when the desire that God has put in our heart is not filled. Um, another well, so if, if the well of self isn't working for us, right? If we've been down this well, like, okay, this isn't doing it. We will also run to what he has called the well of others. Okay, and this, there's probably lots of ways that we go to the well of others. But um, the, the first thing that I think of is when we go to the well of others, is maybe we can be satisfied through other people, right? Maybe this is, this is our spouse, okay? And um, this is bad from the start, right? If we're running to our spouse to be satisfied. Um, quick little story. If, if you were to happen to be in our house at any point, the most common phrase you'll probably hear, no joke, is from my wife. She says, Taylor, you forgot to put down the toilet seat. Right? Okay, so, or, or she'll say, you forgot to put up the toilet seat. What, whatever she says, it's, it doesn't take a genius to figure out when she realizes that I didn't put up the toilet seat or down the toilet seat, right, when she sits down. So, <clears throat> then, I try to, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get this figured out. i got to put up the toilet seat. got to put up the toilet seat. Then I put it up, Then she goes to the bathroom again, and she says, Taylor, you forgot to put down the toilet seat. Right, so... I, I don't have this thing figured out. This is nuts to me. We'll run to our spouse or women. You'll run to men. And I'm, I'm going on 29 years old, and I, I still haven't figured out bathroom procedures. But somehow, I'm going to satisfy her. Right? Like, this is a nightmare. But at, at, the, at the same point, men, we run to women for the same thing. And there's a lot of mysteries going on. Um, one thing I always tell... I always tell Blair is, I do not know the whole mystery with women's hair, right? It's like the woman who has straight hair, what does she long for? 
curly hair, right? And then the woman with curly hair, what does she long for? Straight hair. I've seen this play out. Okay, I, I was raised with three women. It's like if, if you compliment one, oh, I love your curly hair. Right? She receives this compliment and says, are you kidding? It takes me forever to get my hair straight. Right? It's, it's a disaster and it's a mystery. Right? Maybe God will reveal that mystery to me later. But what I'm trying to say is, if, if for instance, if, if women can't even be satisfied in the hair that God's created them to have, then how in the world do you think they're going to satisfy us? And, and the reality of this is alarming. Because when, when this comes out in marriage, we're putting expectations on one another that we were never attend to meet, ever. God never created us to meet the expectations of our spouse and what we put on them, ever. And, and it's, it's, it's bad. What it produces is badness, right? So if I'm putting all these expectations on Blair, she's putting them on me, all it's going to produce is failure. And then at some point, we're going to start to get a little bitter, right? And, and before we know it, now, now maybe we're resenting each other because I don't think she's fulfilling me, which she's not. She wasn't designed to. Or she doesn't think I'm fulfilling her. And, and now, this beautiful thing of marriage, right? This oneness unity that God's created to be an illustration of Christ's relationship with the church and for, to show the world what that looks like leaves us miserable, right? Now we're bitter towards it. And um, that, that seems to be some things that we run to in this well of others. Um, one, one last thing that we, we might run to in the well of others that, uh, that, that I've seen played out, and I'm really trying to guard my heart because we just have one boy, he's one years old. We got another one on the way, though. We're going to have two boys. But um, one, uh, another place where this can play out, right? So when we have that desire in our heart, we really want it to meet with something. God's created it. We'll run to a spouse. If that's not working, uh, we'll run to our children. And this is kind of alarming, right? Putting expectations on our kids. Like everything that's failed us as children, if that wasn't enough, now we want to put them on our kids. Right? Whether that means that your daughter or your son is going to be the next multi-sport All-American athlete, you know, since, since we had those genes. No. But for whatever reason, we th- they're going to have it, and we're going to put these expectations on them to succeed in this, succeed in this. They're not going to meet that. Once again, they weren't designed to meet that. And it's just not sports, right? I've seen this play out in a lot of weird ways. Maybe we think we got the next Beethoven. Right? That comes around every four or five centuries. Right? And he's going to be the best six, seven instrument playing son ever. And this is, this is bad because it's not going to satisfy us when, when we're using our children as pawns to live vicariously through. Right? And, and if we're really not careful, it's going to crush their souls because they weren't met for these burdens. So that, that's the well of others. Okay, so when our heart has a desire that, that God's put in us, we'll run to the well of self, right? And then maybe this isn't working for us. Then we'll run to the well of others. And this fails us. 
So then another well he mentions is the well of the world. Okay, this gets kind of tricky. And the reason I say it gets tricky is because the world, when he created the world and everything in it, he saw that it was good, right? God, created God, saw that it was good. So this gets kind of weird because we can run to these things in which God had created for goodness that should be drawing us back to worship Him, but what happens is we'll run to Him and we'll turn Him into like lowercase g's, right? Little gods that, that we'll be worshiping. Instead of leading it to worship Him, we'll start worshiping the thing that He's created. And, and what I mean by this is, let's see, the well of the world. Um, I'm going to bring up alcohol in church. Yep, I'm going to talk about it. So, if you've read the Bible... There's wine in here, right? There's wine. This is something God's created for our enjoyment so that it can go back to worship God. Right? Like, oh, God, you're a great creator, right? To create something like this and, and produce a reverence in us that we're worshiping God. But what happens when we run to alcohol to satisfy the discontentment in our heart? Awfulness, right? Okay, it can separate families. It can produce abuse. It can produce a, a lifelong season of just regrets. And, and sometimes even death, right? Maybe drunk driving or whatever have you. So here's this thing God's created for our enjoyment so that we may worship Him in it. And what do we do with it? We destroy it. right? Because we're trying to run to it to satisfy us. Right? After a hard week, Got to go get some alcohol, man. Mm, Got to get some. Now, when this is our perspective, it's not going to satisfy us. It's just going to produce more sin in us. Okay? And, and another thing God's created in the world that we tend to run to is food. Right? Like, like this, is, this is awesome. I always tell my wife, I was like, it is so genius to me that the best tasting meat, in my opinion, on the face of the earth, comes from one of the dumbest mammals. Cows, right? Like, they're not going to run fast, right? They're like the only ones that like openly go into a slaughter. Like, that was done on purpose, right? God's going to make it really easy for us to get to that great meat. Okay? But instead of eating this or tasting like all these great seasonings and food and honoring God with it and worshiping Him, what happens? We can abuse this too. When we're running to food to satisfy us, there's some good stuff that our fridge can have after a hard day's work, right? We can open that thing up and just rage it. And it's kind of weird because there's been times it really satisfies me. But what happens, it produces bad stuff, right? Especially in, in, in this country. Okay, I'm, I'm a physical education major, right? One of the leading causes of death in this country is heart disease that stirs from obesity and overweight. Our indulgence with food. Something that God's created for us to worship Him with, we destroy it when we run to it to satisfy us. Okay, so, so here's these three wells. The well of self, the well of others, the well of the world. And then the last well, and this is, this is a tough one. This is kind of where um, my heart's at, is the well of religion. The well of religion. The, the very thing that we set up to serve God with now we're turning into a lowercase g. Now we're enslaved to it. And, and what I mean is this. If you ever get that feeling like, oh my gosh, 
I haven't prayed today. Oh, what a nightmare. I haven't prayed. I must be a bad Christian, right? Or, I, I haven't been able to stay in the Word. When was the last time I did last quiet time? And this is producing like worry and anxiety. Stuff that God commands us not to have. And now it's coming from our attempt to serve Him. This is religion. And this is crazy. And what, what even comes worse is, is maybe we just run to the Bible. This is kind of where I was at, I feel like, for a couple years. We, we run to His Word just so that we can be filled up with a, a bunch of knowledge, right? And it can help us quote Scripture for when we're in that Bible study or, or when we're showing up on Sundays. This is awful. This is, we are turning the process in which we run to God, we're turning it into a God. And this is detrimental for, for all those non-believers watching us. Because all they see is religion. And all the nastiness that comes from that. And now, now they're turned away from it. And, and this is what we do to it. Right? And, and we think if we run to religion, it's going to satisfy us. Right? The things in here that are met to lead to intimacy with God, to help supplement our faith, we're turning them into like works, right? Okay, check it off the list. Read my Bible today. Sweet. What? It's religion. Okay, so, so these are the four wells that a bad heart, okay, my heart, our hearts, tend to run to to try to satisfy ourselves. Okay, so when we're discontent, these are all the things that we may be subject to running to. Um, so, with that being said, if Jesus says the heart is the issue, right, that produces this sin, where do we have to start if we want to overcome this? If, if it's the heart that produces this nastiness, then it's the heart that we have to start with. It's the heart that has to be transformed. Um, and, and to kind of kick this off, I, I really didn't want to spend like the, like the whole sermon talking about our nastiness, right? And all the things that we run to and for everybody to be like, mm-hmm, yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to try um, here to give us an image of, of how this can be transformed and how we really can be satisfied through God. So um, let's go ahead and turn to Romans. I think it's Romans 5. Romans chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse 6. And this, man, this is really good stuff. So just, just pay a close ear to it. Romans 5, verse 6. It says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely, Will anyone die for a righteous man? Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if when we were God's we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Um, I really like that Scripture. That's, uh, 
Man, that's the Gospel. Right? That's, that's the good news that Jesus Christ brought to this earth. Just in those four verses, that's the Gospel. And I think in order for us to really transform our hearts, this is where, as followers of Christ, we kind of got to dwell here. I mean, I mean, think about this setup. Sin entered the world, and who was responsible for it? We were. We were. We did that. Right? Genesis 3 occurred, and now we have this huge barrier between a holy and righteous God that only intended for, for our goodness and, and, and wanted us to live in perfect harmony, a little shalom. Right? But we, we ruined it. We introduced sin into the world. God had nothing to do with it. That was our disobedience. And now what happens? We're still sinners. Jesus Christ died for us. This is heavy. And it's crazy to me. I feel like, you know, I, I was raised in the church and I'm following Christ, and how come I can always get away from this? This is the thing that we're supposed to be sharing, right? The gospel. And sometimes we get so sucked into sharing it, we get away from it. This is the stuff that has truly satisfied us. Jesus Christ died on the cross and He justified us. All of the nasty sin that we, us, brought into this world, it was justified. Atoned. Right? Like it pardoned us. Like you are excused when Christ died on the cross for us. This is what occurred. Right? And, and this is where we we got to spend a lot of time here. Because what, what happens is sometimes it's like, man, this is nuts, right? This Gospel... Ah, what, what did God see in me to die for me? Nothing. Don't go there. God didn't see nothing in us. He just told us what our heart is. Produces a lot of evilness, right? There was nothing He saw in us. It was only by His love. That's it. That's where, that's where we stop. This is a book about God. It was God's love that compelled Him to send His Son on the cross for sinners. It wasn't the sinners. It was His love that's compelled Him to do this. And, and it's Jesus' death on the cross that saves us. Right? And, and this is what's really, really cool about it. So, all these things we run to, right? That we just talked about. All these different wells. When we stay in the Gospel, right? And, and we try to receive this good news we try to wrap our heads around the fact that God put skin on, dwelt among us, then got nailed to a tree, and took all our sin on that we created. When we stay here, you want to know what happens? We get validated. We, we start to get satisfied a little bit. I don't have to run to her anymore. I don't have to put these expectations on her to satisfy me. God's already validated me when He sent Jesus cross on the Son, His Son on the cross. Now I don't have to run to her. Right now, now, I don't have to have my whole day and have her have all this weight to make me feel good. She still makes me feel good. But I'm already validated. I, I, can, I can speak to all of you. and I, I don't have to get all nervous and all freaked out up here because I, I don't need to be affirmed. Right? The Gospel says I'm already affirmed. Christ is death. That's a big deal. It's there to affirm us. So we don't have to run to all this wild stuff. We don't have to be enslaved to our work. 
to make sure we have a better, wealthier version of ourselves. We don't have to chase all this stuff. We're validated through Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross. That is the Gospel. That is where we got to dwell if we want our hearts to start transforming a little bit. And, and this, is what, this is what develops through that. Okay, So if we stay in the Gospel, and if we just really focus on what Christ has done for us, if this is where we stay, this is what tends to happen. The desire in our heart that God's created, and that He's put there, we start to run to different things. Okay, so if you spent most time in the Gospel, usually what should be producing is just humility, right? You're not coming out of that with any swag or any confidence in yourself. It's just a whole bunch of humility. And now you're in a state of humbleness. Once you're in that state, now we can start pursuing the desires and the attributes of God. Not the world. And it's, it's these things that will fill our heart, right? Psalm 37 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Right? So once we stay in the gospel and we receive the gospel and the good news that it is, because there's a lot of bad news, right? And when we receive it, now we want to run to things that, that, that Christ has, right? And, and, and so now it's not, oh, this person at my work is bothering me. I just don't understand her. I don't get her, right? No, no, no. It's not that. We're not trying to go to somebody, our colleagues, to, to satisfy us. Now it's this. Oh, I'm having a hard time working with my colleague. She has it out for me. But God, how do you, how do you allow me to love her just like you did to me when you brought the Gospel? Understand? Now we run to this kind of stuff. And then guess what? All those prayers that God promised He'd answer starts, starts answering them. Because now we're praying the things that He has. Right? How do we love our enemies? Right? Or, or when I come home from work, I'm a bit tired. Right? I pull into the driveway. My wife's holding my son and she's like, and he's bawling and screaming. I'm like, oh my gosh. Right? I just wanted to come in and chill for a second. Right? And she's like, like, oh, that means like you're taking them. I'm done. Okay. Well, now here, here's what happens. If if I roll up to my house, and I have in my head, here's what needs to happen. She needs to give me a breather because I've been dealing with kids all day. I need to chill on the couch for a little bit, and then she can start telling me these problems she's had with our son today. If that's my mind frame, what's going to happen? It's going to go. It's going to go bad. And, and my heart's not going to be satisfied. She's going to feel hurt. Right? However, if I pursue the things that God said He'll fulfill in my heart, I'm going to be satisfied. And we get the joy out of it. So instead of it's like, okay, God, before I roll up to the driveway, I'm going to, I'm going to pray and teach me that I can serve my wife and I can serve my son like I'm serving you. Right? When you serve the least of these, who is it that you really serve? Jesus. So now I, I reshape my thought process and what's nothing about it, this is what fills my heart. It's these things that can really satisfy us. Okay, and um, the, the last thing I'll say is Jesus Christ justified us with His death on the cross. Correct? Okay, that's the good news. It didn't stop there. It did not stop there. Okay? 
He resurrected and He beat death. He didn't just die for our sins. He beat it. He declared victory over it. Death has no sting when He resurrected with His life. So here's the deal. It doesn't just stop when we receive the Gospel. Sweet, sins are forgiven. I can punch, I can punch out my heaven card. Right? Get into heaven. What? God wants us to have more joy than that. So just like it didn't stop on the cross, because He beat death when He resurrected, He wants the same thing for us. We don't just stop when we, when we hear this Gospel message and say, okay, cool, our sins are forgiven. Okay, so what, what we then run to and what we become, slaves of righteousness. Right? And so just really quick, flip over to Romans 6. Just one page over, I think, or maybe on the same page. Romans 6, um, verse 15. Slaves to righteousness. Man, this stuff's awesome here. It says, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey Him as slaves, you are slaves to the One whom you obey? Whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. That's a pretty awesome phrase. Slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms. Oh, this is hilarious. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Okay, thanks God for dumbing it down for us. Um, Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity, into ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. Okay, so, so this, this doesn't stop with us just receiving Christ's death on the cross. Christ resurrected, gave us life, and that's what we have to look forward to. We have that same freedom. So anytime we get a tough circumstance in life, a tough trial, now we can get yoked up with Christ. We can see that He beat death, he conquered sin. Right? Now we can start doing some stuff that Paul talks about. Persevering. Right? Having joy in the midst of all this. Right? This is what, this is what can develop through us now. It's a process called sanctification. Our whole lives just being dedicated to, to like a degree at a time becoming more like Him. With each really hard circumstance, with, with a really tough trial, now we have the opportunity to be shaped like Jesus. Right? And this is what's really cool about it. When we run to Him, into His good news and His gospel, to be satisfied, guess what it does for us? Satisfies us. Uh, John Piper, some of you may know him, he's kind of said this, this, this saying. It says, when we are most satisfied in Him, He's most glorified through us. That's genius. That God's created it that way, right? Okay, I'm going to create these people with the desire in their heart that the only way they can get it met is through me to be satisfied, and then guess what's going to happen? He's going to get glorified. That's nuts. Peace that surpasses all understanding, we can get it now. We can have joy. And when we're satisfied, He gets glorified. And at the end of the day, 
That is why we were created. That's it. To glorify God. And He can actually be glorified at our most satisfying state. That is, that is brilliant to me. So, um, you know, leave, leave today with, with knowing a, a heart transformation. We've got to dwell in the Gospel. Everything should be bringing us back to the Gospel. Everything we encounter in church, everything we encounter in the Word, let us dwell in the Gospel so that we can have our hearts transformed and finally be satisfied. But most of all, have God get all the glory for it. Right? Um, Johnny will be up here if, uh, if anybody has a decision to make today. Right? Um, Johnny will be up here to, to pray with you and talk through you with that. Um, I just want to say thanks a bunch for allowing me to have this opportunity to speak. Really, really grateful for it. It was awesome during the week on, on how I prepared for it because, man, God was really working on my heart. So um, let's, let's go ahead and just uh, quickly end in prayer real quick. Um, God, thank You so much just for this gathering. And, and I pray, Lord, that uh, man, we, we can start to dwell in Your Gospel that saves lives, that we don't get far away from this, that we can return to the Gospel every day. Every day we just return our hearts to Your good news. And God, I pray that we can start to, start to taste um, how that satisfies us. And, and, and Lord, my, my, my biggest prayer is that um, we can be satisfied only so You can be glorified. And, and allow us to submit to the reason why we were created, and that's to honor and glorify You and to tell a dark world um, um, who You are and to shine our light for them. Thank You so much for this great opportunity to hang out with some believers and to uh, dig up Your Word, God. It's in Your name I pray. Amen.